Hello, and welcome back to the Football Babble, the Continental Breakfast. Um, it is 20-11 on um, the 7th of July, and um, I'm joined, it's Brenton here, joined by Steve. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. And Paddy, how you doing, Paddy? Not too bad, good evening, lads. And what a wonderful evening to watch England just win. <laughs> so good, isn't it? Yeah, we've um, all three of us. I don't know if you can tell by the tone. Um, all three of us have just uh, are fresh off watching England beat Denmark in extra time. Um, book booking a date with Italy uh, in the Euro 2020 final on Sunday. Um, Steve, you were just saying they deserved it. I thought over the course of the 120 minutes they were. Clearly the better team. Um, I thought Denmark looked good for the opening half an hour when uh, Southgate did that thing that he, he tends to do in bigger games and coach not to lose rather than coaching to win. Um, but I thought once he kind of took the reins off, off Sterling in particular, um, I thought they were much, much the better side. And I'm not saying it was inevitable they were going to score because obviously they needed you know, a couple of things to go their way uh, that we'll probably get into in a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- you know, I think on balance, Denmark, like, there's some strange substitutions. I have no idea why Mikel Damsgaard went off. Denmark didn't create a single chance from the time he left the pitch. He's 21. He can't be tired. I don't care. Like, a 21-year-old should be able to play five matches in a week. Um, mm-hmm. So that was an odd, odd decision. Uh, and the players who came on, for Denmark didn't make an impact at all. And I don't think actually, to be fair, I don't think the players who came on for England made too much of an impact either. So it'll be really interesting to see because Southgate obviously kept, what did he make one substitution in the 90 minutes? Going to be a lot of tired bodies, uh, come Friday, I think for, or come Sunday for, for England. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point, Paddy. Do you think he, from very early on, Southgate had in his mind uh, about the squad being fit rather than the team being fit for potential extra time and then subsequently a, a final on Sunday? Yeah, well, I'd like to think he wasn't thinking ahead to, to Sunday when it was still sort of poised, but I thought that he did make changes very late. Um, obviously, as you said, only one in the in the ninety, but I, I thought Henderson did help when he when he came on. I thought he I thought Rice and Phillips played well, but Henderson sort of brought a a, a bit bit a bit more calm and a bit of serenity to the midfield and um like Grealish just was drawing men. Um, you know, he was two and three men were going to him just creating space and England could have even won it. Um in the 90, I suppose, they were sort of banging the door down. And I was even texting a few friends there to say, what do you think is going to happen? And I was like, England are going to win this an extra time. Uh, no doubt uh, there'll be no penalties required here. And it just, they just turned the screw and they were so so professional um, in extra time. Like, they were starting to go, go to the corner from, like, 22 minutes of extra time gone. Like, there was two times they were in, one with Kane, one with Walker. All they had to do was squirt, and it'd be a very, very good chance for someone. But uh, I was screaming at them. I was like, "Why don't you just kill the game?" But shows what I know. But yeah, they they did very well. England were good, and you know Denmark have had an unbelievable tournament. Um, but today was just a a bridge too far. Um, and as as Steve said, but for a maybe ten or fifteen minute flurry, Denmark offered very little. Like 
Um, I think yeah. England were comfortable. Yeah, well, um, we'll probably get into Denmark at some stage because I think they deserve a, a bit of a mention. Um, but you mentioned there about um, it looked inevitable that England were going to score an extra time, and we'll have to get to the to the main talking point, I suppose. The penalty. Um, I I don't know why it was given, um, but it, it could have been for the second little push on Sterling, um, because Steve, there didn't look to be contact, um, uh, you know, around Sterling's boots anywhere that I could see, and he, it was almost as if it was one of those that it's not going to be reversed. But was it a penalty in the first place? You see, I I see, I know exactly what you're saying, and it was never going to be reversed once it went to VAR, but what's the point of VAR if we can look at all those replays, see no contact, and still give a penalty? I just don't understand it at all. And also, why didn't VAR go back and say, just two footballs on the pitch, that should have been the game yeah, to start yeah. right there and then? Like, surely I thought VAR I was seeing that. things. What's yeah. No, it was, there was absolutely, like, I've seen the screen grab since, because I thought I was imagining it as well, like, but Sterling literally runs by another ball on the pitch, like, the referee has to see it, and then if he doesn't see it, VAR has to see it, so that's, that's the first thing, and then the penalty itself, he's going down because he, he thinks he's fouled from the first contact, but he, the, the defenders won the ball in the first contact, and it's his momentum brings him over, like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that's what caused him to fall over, but I mean, Honestly, he dived. Uh, and I think you could almost tell by his reaction as well that he dived. Um, mm. And I don't blame the referee because I think in real time, I in real time, the Danish player's reaction told me everything that it wasn't a penalty because they were so sure. They were demanding it went to VAR. Um, but I can understand why a referee would give it. What I will never understand is how VAR can look at that from all those angles and go, yep, we're going to uphold that. Like, because it's a nonsense. Paddy, are you in agreement? I don't know. I I think it was soft, but I think on view real time as a penalty. And then, yes, it looked softer on VAR, but as you said, it is hard to overturn. I thought there was some sort of contact with his calf, but not with a boot, but like a sort of leg-to-leg contact. Um, I think he's gone down very easily, but I suppose people say when you're running at pace, small touches can set you off balance. Don't know. Um, it's a hard one. I, I think I think I can see why it was given, um, but Sterling really did go down, go down a bit easily. Um, and then obviously Kane tucked it away at the second. Second go, but tell you what pissed me off, and uh, Steve, I'm sure if you're watching RTE, or were you watching RTE? Or, no, I was, or I, uh, <laughs> on, on ITV, they bring in Peter Walton all the time as like uh, their oh, resident yeah. expert referee, and he just talks a little wet all the time and just states the obvious, and uh, he adds absolutely nothing to um, to it. So he, he was he was sort of wheeled in, and and he just said about it being hard to overturn and. But yeah, uh, they're they're showing it here. I have it on the screen. Very minimal contact. Yeah, mm. very minimal. Steve, is it? Do you think? I know it's hard to go back and say this, but England had dominated up until that point, and um, I think you've already mentioned like they, they were the much better side. I think 
Casper Schmeichel was was probably the man of the match. He, oh, he yeah. faced twenty twenty shots, um, made some unbelievable saves. Was it kind of inevitable anyway, or can we not say that? Uh, you, it's really hard to kind of think what might have happened if that, like, or if even if he'd saved the penalty and it had gone out for a corner or something, like, it's really hard to because like. Paddy made a great point there. Like England stopped trying from about the twenty-two minute mark in extra time, um, mm-hmm. and still created two really clear-cut chances. So, like, I still think England were by far the dominant team, and like, but for a couple of worldy saves from Schmeichel, probably would it, the game would have been over comfortably a three-one win in in normal time. Um, so I think all that aside, like, it's it's considering everything that's happened to Denmark in this tournament. It's an outrageously sad way for them to go out, but I, I this is not because it's happened tonight. I've had this uh, this opinion for a while now. The first person to touch the ball after the goalkeeper from a penalty should never be allowed to be the penalty kick taker. Like it gives you too, it gives you an, like way too big an advantage. Um, Three chances. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, essentially you can't take your advantage. Yeah, Five and it, I don't understand it at all now. Actually, looking back at it, one of the other England players, I think it might have been Grealish, was closest to the ball than any Denmark player. So maybe it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Like, I saw Schmeichel get a bit of grief that, like, oh, he saved it back towards the goal rather than away from the goal. He fucking saved the penalty. Like, <laughs> you can't criticise the goalkeeper for saving a penalty. Um, so... I, Is there still that rule uh, if it hits the post? No, Did yeah, that, that, happened, that if it hits, yeah, that happened in was it the Premier League, like the the what was it? There was an incident, like a fairly high profile incident in the season where the it it hit the post and the penalty taker. Oh no, do you know what it was? It, that rule was enforced in the penalty and the commentary on RTE, it was a Champions League game. Can't remember the game, mm. but the commentator thought the penalty taker was flagged for offside because he was the first person to touch the ball after it hit the post. But <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, so that'll tell you about the quality of punditry going on, and you know, all across the, the two islands. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it, it's cruel, it's very cruel for Denmark to go out on something like that. As you said, England had the the better of the game, um, but for it to be an incident like that um, is pretty cruel. I thought, you know, they did have periods in the game where they looked dangerous. There was definitely a period where Pickford was looking more and more like his Premier League self. Um, he was slicing balls. He was misplacing passes, which made everyone look nervous. Um, Maguire and Stones in particular, um Shaw was probably all right, but um, even Rice was getting caught on the ball, and it it all came from a couple of misplaced passes from Pickford. And I thought there was maybe fifteen twenty minutes, as, as you have both mentioned, where Braithwaite looked good. Uh, he was picking up uh, balls in dangerous areas. Dahlberg as well was was swiveling on a couple of shots. Um, Paddy, nothing but but good things to say about this this Denmark side and you know they'll be remembered for the the pure emotion that they've given us and the the battle and throughout the tournament. 
Yeah, like you know, they've, they've been a, a great story, and I think everyone really that that, that wasn't English wanted them to win, win today. But um, it was just a bridge too far when you see the, the the quality of the players that England were bringing off the bench in comparison to Denmark. Like Denmark brought on two Brentford players, and like yeah. England were bringing on Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jordan Henderson, you know, Kieran Trippier, like people at elite European clubs. So I think there's such a gulf, um, you know between them uh, as good as Denmark have been uh, I think England just uh, didn't have to be brilliant to, to, to be comfortable enough in the end today and it's actually a good point you made about Pickford um, and I think it was mentioned in one of one of the preview pods that you guys did was that he's a potential weak link and you know uh, he could do something crazy and he did have that spell where he looked like as Everton self and he like he just tries to make up for mistakes by shouting at everyone throughout the game. Um, and I think he shouts loudest usually has the least to say. I, he just shouts and shouts and shouts. And it seems like he's having like a one-man competition with himself to see how far he can kick a ball. I've never seen a keeper just hoof it as a great He only started doing that after twice in the first half he tried short passes and gave it straight to the Danish players. So I think Southgate or the goalkeeping coach had a word and were like, just... Put like take the letter. Yeah. There was one. I don't know. Did you know this is? It, it didn't have an overall bearing to the game, but there was one moment in. I think it was. Yeah, it was the first half, where both the full backs, where Walker and Shaw, both sent in crosses, and it was like they had a competition as who could kick the ball the hardest, and they ended up kicking the ball to each other. What was that about? That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a football game. I think uh, yeah they were they're yeah, really fizzing it in they were good weren't they I thought both of them played really I, well yeah I know Walker has got a lot of grief on this podcast in particular particularly from the uh, <laughs> the uh, the red jersey wearing uh, host of this podcast um, but I, I thought he was I thought he was excellent time. and I think Shaw has been really really good all tournament um, like the thing about England I would say in this tournament is that's the first game where I actually thought Okay, this is a really good team. In other games, what they've been excellent at is is like Mourinhoing it almost, you know. Um, take take the take the one 0 win, and this season from about thirty minutes on, they were just like, you know what? Let's we're a better team. Let's just go for it. Um, and I I liked that approach. I I don't. I thought. This isn't. People are going to probably think, "Oh, this is the the Irish thing." I thought Declan Rice was really poor, and I'd be stunned if he started the final. Um, he he can't put his foot on the ball, turn around, and go forward. Every pass is sidewards or backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, uh, Richie Sadler on RT's point of view made a really good point. That oh no, it was it was Didier Man. He said, like, if you're a defender and you realize a player is doing that, well, then it completely changes your mindset because you know you only have to take up one position against them every time. Whereas if someone has, you know, does a busquets and rolls the ball under his feet or whatever and starts turning forward, you have to kind of step back a little bit and you can't crowd him in the midfield. So I think Italy will, if 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 Declan Rice starts the final, I think Italy you could see a lot of really, really close contact in midfield. And I think that might what that'll end up doing is he'll push the ball back to Pickford and that increases the chances of a Pickford mistake. So I think it does set up quite nicely in that sense this final. And Honestly, like Denmark, what they came overcame in the first game aside, like 
this is probably the final that the tournament deserves. I think there's very few people could argue that, that consistently they weren't they weren't the two best teams because I think they were. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. And I think you could tell from early on um, in the tournament how worried we were um, by England uh, yeah. is a good indicator um, <laughs> about how they were playing and how they were set up um, to go far in this tournament. Um, Paddy, you've already mentioned Henderson when he came off the bench and, and it, it was telling that he came on for Rice and not Phillips. Phillips being probably the least experienced out of the two, just slightly, um, certainly internationally. Can you see him starting in the final and and also with that was there anyone else in particular for England who individually impressed yeah I suppose the, the the first part of that question um and I agree with what Steve said I, I thought Rice looked quite uncomfortable and I think uh, Hoiberg and Delaney were up in his grill first half hour Rice didn't get a chance to lift his head and he's over on him on him on him and he looked quite uncomfortable um so yeah I think as the game wore on and I was surprised when when it was Rice taking off, sort of coming about 75 minutes, or maybe Grealish coming about 70, I was thinking, he's going to change one of the two holders for Henderson and bring Grealish on. But he only brought Grealish on, really surprised me. Um, and yeah, I, I would still be I would still be amazed if he, if he starts Henderson. I think he'll just go for the same two again. I don't necessarily think those are the best two. I think Henderson's a better footballer, and when he came on, Henderson was calmed it down, was was picking lovely passes, and and maybe he maybe offers a wee bit more going forward than Rice does, but maybe doesn't offer kind of the the, the energy in terms of defensively that that Rice and the protection that Rice offers. So I think I think it'll probably be Rice and Phillips again, but um, maybe if one of those guys picks up a yellow early. You know, you, you might see someone like Henderson come on. Um, the second part of your question there, I thought Sterling was fucking class. Uh, I thought he was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. He was so direct. Like, um, Vestergaard and Mela down that side were just shitting themselves every time he got the ball. I, it's actually Sterling, when Sterling is on one like that and is just running at people, he can be, he can look completely frightening. And, you know, he didn't have the strongest of seasons for City. He definitely towards the end he tailed tailed away. Um, he didn't even start the Champions League final, did he? No, it was Bernardo Silva and Foden, wasn't it? Yeah, he had a big play with um, with Guardiola about two thirds of the way through the season, and then yeah. he, he barely featured after that. Like, and I think he's he's benefited from it because he looks the freshest player out there. Like, he was sprinting at full speed at like 117 minutes, like into the game. Yeah. It was is it's really really incredible, um, and I think that's like I think it's inter- I thought one thing I will say like on on Southgate and he'll get a lot of praise because of how he turned things around in this game because one of the things we said is how England will react to conceding their first goal and they reacted really well. I think he had decided yesterday that he was taking Saka off, um, no matter what, for Grealish, um. And I think that was a poor decision because I think you're right. It should have been, it probably should have been one of the holding midfielders because I thought Saka for the first kind of 50, 60 minutes was the best England player on the park. And then it was after that that Sterling kind of took over and ran the game. Um, I thought he was very hard done by to go off. 
Yeah, and and that's um, it's a good point about Mela because we we saw how good he was, and and I think it was highlighted how you know he might cause England some problems, um, more problems than maybe they had been caused so far in this tournament. And there was early on, I think there was um a chance for them to get forward, and he went up against Walker, and Walker was too quick for him, too strong, won the ball back. And then I feel like I didn't see him again in the England half because Sterling, as you said, Paddy, was kind of, he was pushing so high up on Vestigard and he was shitting himself that Mela had to really double up and help him out. Um, and therefore, we didn't really see him get forward and into the England half. Um, and I think that'll be, we'll, we'll maybe move on and chat. I know we're, we're doing a preview pod um, for the final on Friday, um, so listen out for that. But because um, it's it's fresh in our minds, we'll maybe talk about um, how England could cause Italy some of those problems. I think, Steve, it's it's going to be obviously another step up for England. But with our mate Spinazzola not being there, um, Emerson could be in for a night of it um, down that down that side. Um, with with I, Sterling going at him, yeah, I think that's the that's the weak link for Italy, isn't it? Like he was, he was okay, uh, in in Italy semi final, but like he's just, do you know what it was? Actually, it wasn't even his defending because he had a couple of really good covering tackles. It was going forward. He doesn't just have that connection with the other strike or with the strikers, like the way Spinazzola did, where he just he'd find the perfect pass and then. Five seconds later, he'd be in the perfect position. He didn't have that, and I think they. I think that's a worry for them. Um, I think it's. I think Immobile is going to be very lucky to get his game. I think Mancini will stick with him, but I think he's been dead weight in that Italian team. I think that's a weakness as well. And I, do you know what? There was there was a couple of moments stones tonight. Like he 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 swung his leg at one clearance and completely miskicked it. And he looked a bit a bit unsure at under time, but it never felt like, and it hasn't felt like the whole tournament, like anyone's run at him or, or Maguire. And I wonder how they do do with that. And like, I do think, I do think there's a mistake in Pickford. Um, I really, really do. And his confidence can't be great after tonight. You could see that, like, from the mis- the first couple of mistakes, and even from the goal, like, as brilliant as the technique was. Like, the ball basically in the centre of the goal. Like, a goalkeeper should mm-hmm. be saving that. Um, it's not like it was posted. I think that's what Gary Neville said, isn't it? Like, he, he said he, you know, he's, he should be saving that. He, he yeah. just directly came out and said it. Yeah, because it's, like, I can forgive a goalkeeper for something that's top corner, you know, whatever. Like, fair enough. Like, there's very few goalkeepers will get to that. But, like, he got a fingertip to it. And I'm, I'm a firm believer if you get your hand to it, you should save it. It's as simple as that. Like... Um, someone said he might have taken a false step to his left, but like, why would he do that? Like, when, yeah, I don't know, but like, so I think, I think you're right. I think, I think Italy have a couple of weaknesses, but I do think England do too, and it's those flaws that kind of is what makes this interesting, this final. Yeah, it, it really, to me, still feels like England, I know they've only considered that one goal in the whole tournament, so that sounds stupid, but that that back four hasn't been properly tested yet and as you said Steve nobody's properly run at them 
And Paddy, they're certainly going to get that in the final with Insigne. Chiesa, for me, keeps his place, definitely. Um, and probably Immobile, they're, they're going to cause problems, surely. Definitely. I think particularly uh, Luke Shaw will be worried about Chiesa because he looks absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a tricky one. Uh, I think Walker, Insigne kind of has a trick, and if you can sort of maybe try and combat that, you might be okay, you know, coming inside and pinging on his right. But Chiesa just looks like such a such a devastating forward. He's been so good um, that... Yeah, uh, they're, they're definitely going to have more of a challenge, especially with some of the incisive passing. Like, Jorginho's getting a lot of plaudits for some of the, the balls that he's he's played as well during the tournament. Like, it's uh, not generally what you associate Jorginho with, who's kind of a bit of a metronome, especially under Sarri, and a lot of kind of, you know, a lot of small passes keeping the ball, but he's been so positive um, mm-hmm. in, in this Italian side. And, yeah, I think the the fullbacks will be kept very honest um, of England. So it'll be a fascinating game. Um, uh, one I'm sure that we'll, we'll talk about more later in the week, but uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I just think England are going to win. Um, <laughs> early, early with that prediction. I know me and you have sort of said from the start, but I still don't really want to believe myself I think that you're, it's a good point about Jorginho and, and the midfield battle like that's I think that's where it's going to be won and lost I, I think Southgate would be stupid not to tell Mount to, to get up Jorginho's ass because he yeah. knows him every day in training he's a sort of player that can niggle and um, just disrupt uh, what Jorginho's been doing so well because if you let him do it I think that's half the battle um, if you really get in his face, he gets uncomfortable. He, there is a mistake in Jorginho as well. Um, so uh, whether Southgate picks Rice and Phillips and then goes with Mount again, and um, Jorginho and Verratti, who who were both very good and have been since Verratti's come back into the side, um, I think that midfield battle is going to be very important. But we will talk about that more um, in our preview. But I want to just. Just based on the feelings tonight, um, I want to ask the one-word answer, Steve. Is it coming home? Yes. And Paddy, I'm assuming you're a yes as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to oh, no. but I think it will. <laughs> oh, dear. I wonder, will the, um, will the feelings have, have changed by Friday when we um, try and... Um, convince ourselves otherwise um, <laughs> but yes you'll you'll hear more about that uh, we'll talk in depth about the final um, in our preview pod on Friday and then we will sum up on Sunday um, I think I'll do this for tonight cheers everybody for, for constantly tuning in we've got a couple of days left it's been great crack um, at the Football Bubble pod on Twitter and Instagram for all the podcasts and a bit of crack on Twitter Um and then patreon.com forward slash football babble if you want to give us a quid a month. Um, but for now, we'll sign off. Cheers, lads, for joining tonight. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Good luck.